Hey everyone, welcome to a special episode of the Teddy Talks podcast. My name is Teddy Parsons, your host and continued agitator for the next 30 minutes or so. I am so happy you are joining us today. Today, we welcome our special guest, Carrie Rosangana. She's the president and CEO of the Capitaria Michigan Works, located here in Lansing, Michigan. Good morning, Carrie. How are you? Good morning, Teddy. Thanks for having me. Most certainly. Welcome to the podcast and thank you again for joining us today. Who, so, I couldn't be more delighted. Thanks, Teddy. I know I'm excited to talk to you. So, so who is Carrie and what should our listeners need to know about you? Well, as you mentioned, I am the CEO at Capital Area Michigan Works. So we are a workforce development agency that serves both federal and state um, different programs to help both our job seekers uh, get ready for jobs and then also to make sure that our employers in the region are attracting the talent that they need so that they can make sure that they're making a difference within our communities. Um, outside of that, I am a Lansing resident. I am a proud MSU graduate. Um, and I live here with my husband, who is a former Marine, and my daughter, who's an elementary school-aged kiddo who keeps me very busy. So basically what they should know is your daughter's your mini-me is what she really is. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yes, she is. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that. So, you know, I was um, doing some light stalking on the Capital Michigan Works website, and I saw that your mission statement reads, connecting with business, strengthening our workforce. Can you please expand on this a bit more for those who do not understand everything that the Capital Michigan Works does to assist both the employer and job seeker? Absolutely. So that first part of our mission statement really is at the heart of the work we do. So we view our employer community really as being that push and pull that we need to know what they're doing, um, where they are seeing their trends in terms of talent needs. And then we make sure from our side that we are making those individuals who come to us as job seekers aware of where the opportunities are so that they can have training opportunities or look for different career options that will align with those needs of our employers. So we work with employers from all different sectors and walks of life. Some of them are small business owners, some of them are larger corporate employers, and we really assist with any sort of need that the employers have from entry level all the way up to executive level. And this really at all no cost to our employers because it's a part of the work that we do through those federal program dollars that we receive. So they can and reach out to our business services team at any time. And we can really serve as an extension of um, their HR arm with getting the word out about opportunities and even doing things like helping to screen for applicants in the future if that's something that our employers need. And we know right now our employers around uh, the region are really screaming for talent and we're here to really help them with what those needs are that they have individually. And so what about the uh, employee side, that job seeker? Um, I know you guys have a walk-in center. Is that back open now, uh, kind of as we are starting to wind down from the pandemic? Yep, so during the COVID pandemic, we um, physically closed our doors and we transitioned our services into a virtual format for the time being. Uh, we are starting on Monday actually to start to re-engage through appointment only services. And we have a link available both on our website as well as through social media channels on Facebook, um, as well as on LinkedIn. So individuals can sign up for a time to come into our office and be able to access all of the services in a person in a in-person format. Um, while we do continue to 
keep our services available online as well for individuals who may choose to want to interact in that way. We know our customers have different emotions and feelings right now, so we're trying to really be cognizant as we're doing our designing of programs to have both a virtual as well as an in-person option for individuals to be able to choose where their comfort levels are with the pandemic situation. Thank you so much for sharing that. We'll also be sure to list all the information about Capital Michigan Works under the episode narrative for today's Teddy Talks podcast. Okay, so let me ask, um, what do you believe has been the biggest obstacle for employers during the pandemic? So more so, what challenges have they faced when it comes to attracting and recruiting top talent? Well, I think some of the challenges that have really risen to the top during the pandemic center around not so much what the employers themselves may be doing, but oftentimes what the job seekers have been dealing with in their personal situation. So I'm sure a lot of individuals have heard um, that this pandemic has really affected women in large numbers. So we know that over 130,000 women dropped out of the workforce within Michigan due to the pandemic. And a lot of that had to do with childcare challenges and with schools not having an in-person option. So many women left the workforce so that they could help make sure that their children were in steady and safe situations. Um, Childcare, we know, is something that's affecting both women and men right now and continues to be a challenge that, you know, we're looking to address even at the state level with some additional dollars coming in. Um, and it's something that really is going to require a continual em emphasis on because if you don't have enough childcare opp opportunities out there, then we know that that's going to impact the individuals who are trying to get to work if they don't have that in place for their families. Something else, too, I think that we have heard throughout the pandemic is that employers, employees feel all different sorts of way about this pandemic and them feeling safe going to work and understanding what a company's culture is related to their pandemic precautions that they're taking has been really, really important. So we've talked with employers that have reached out to us to make sure that they understand the importance of having their plans front and center for individuals who may be interested in their company and helping them understand, you know, what steps they're taking to make sure that safety is at the forefront of all of the things that they're doing as an organization. That can help sometimes to relieve the job seeker side of it and make them feel more secure knowing that that's a company that's going to really take care and value their safety and keep that at the forefront. Um, some of the other things that we've really seen from our employers that have looked a little bit different during the pandemic is that their hiring has looked different. So in a traditional um, HR environment, you'd be used to sitting across from someone and conducting a face-to-face -face interview. And we saw a lot of our employers really have to pivot their services to a virtual format as well. So doing a virtual interview, which is so different for both job seekers and employers to get used to. So we've tried to offer a variety of different tools to help them just feel more comfortable working within that space. And, you know, it's something that we don't think is going to go away. We suspect, you know, doing a virtual interview with somebody who may live outside of the region, if you have a virtual option, that can help draw somebody to the area that we live within um, from maybe outside of that region if it's not making them have to come in person like we traditionally would see. So there's a lot of different things that have, we've learned during this uh, pandemic that I think really will carry on in the next few months as we're looking forward to helping those employers. 
Yeah, you know, that's great information. But, you know, I was thinking as you're saying all of that, have you seen or have you heard from your clients, the employers, uh, um, you know, we see in the news every day, they're crying out for help because employees are choosing not to come back to work, a lot of them because of the extended unemployment benefits. Have you heard from employers if this has become a problem for them? We've definitely heard that that's one of the factors that may contribute to having a shortage of applicants. Um, and then we also have to dig into some of those other things that I mentioned, because it's not just as simple as saying someone is simply earning more on unemployment. Oftentimes there's some underlying other challenges or barriers that may be at play for individuals. But what I will say is that I think this has highlighted the fact that the importance of having wages that are going to be sufficient for someone to be able to have their house be stable, their household finances stable is really critically important. And I think that we've seen a lot of our employers really taking a look at what does the individual wage look like? Do they need to look at raising that up so that they can be you know, more competitive to keep the talent that they're having right now, as well as to attract new talent to fill the needs that we know so many are facing. Yeah, and what a great idea, Carrie, that, you know, to encourage employers to really do an equity uh, salary audit, um, probably a good time to do it. Yeah, absolutely. We've had a lot of conversations about employers who are doing just that because they recognize they're all scrambling oftentimes to fill the same needs and they're competing against each other. So if someone can make a dollar more transitioning to a new employer in the region, we're seeing that happen right now because there are so many opportunities. Okay, so what do you believe job seekers, especially now, you know, a lot of them, you know, either, you know, maybe their position was eliminated or they did not want to go back, but what do they need to know or what tools should they have and be using when seeking new career opportunities during the pandemic and post-pandemic? What do you think they, what's changed and what do you think they need to know? What tools do they have to have? So we've been really working with the individuals that come through our service centers or through virtual services to talk with them about what work looks like right now. We've seen a shift in many workplaces doing hybrid work options where you may be physically in the office a couple of days or you may be remote a couple of days. So if you're remote, what are some of those tools that you're going to need to be successful? So that technology access is gonna become critically important, as well as knowing how to engage and interact with tools like Zoom or Microsoft Teams, things like that. Those are things that we weren't necessarily thinking about as much from the employee perspective or job seeker perspective prior to the COVID in the way that we are now. Um, so that's something we've continued to really see that need for and some educational need around how do you use those tools? How do you help someone get comfortable um, who may not have worked like that before? Um, some of the other things that we have really wanted to do is to empower individuals who are looking for employment to ask questions if they want to understand what some of the pro procedures and protocols are related to safety in the workplace right now with COVID. You know, talking to them about as you're going on a company's website, you can look to see if they have their plans posted. 
um, as well as looking and asking those questions when you're in either a virtual interview or a face-to-face -face interview, making that a question, you know, employers, when they're interviewing, will oftentimes say, do you have any questions for us? And that's a great time for a job seeker to say, I do, I'd like to understand some of the measures that you've taken with COVID safety for your employees and helping to coach them to be able to feel comfortable and empowered to ask those questions is really important right now through COVID and as we're continuing to recover from it. Um, one of the other things too that I think we can't downplay in importance is the importance of individuals feeling like they can ask through an equity lens, you know, what diversity in the workplace looks like too. We know that there's been a lot of push for education of both our job seekers as well as our employers centered around diversity, diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. And that's something that job seekers are really looking at. They're looking at that culture of the workplace. What does that mean? What do they value in their employees? What do they value in their missions and their visions that they have? So we see a lot of our job seekers who are really looking, looking for that information at the front end. So again, that looking at their website to try to try to gauge what that looks like from a cultural perspective, as well as asking questions around that um, within their interviews is something that we've seen a shift in, I would say, over the last year plus as that becomes something that's more at the forefront of design for employers, as well as our job seekers, just simply wanting to look for that. Yeah, so Carrie, you know, as you and I both know, and everyone probably knows, the pandemic has truly shifted the future of today's workplace. Do you think more companies will continue with the remote workforce? Do you think that's going to be something we see as a mainstay? I think that we will start to, well, not start. I think we will continue to see hybrid options for many places because there's something about being physically in person with your team that continues to be really important for organizations and for companies to be able to build those relationships and get to know the staff that we have as people first. Um, but I do think we've shown and we've made great strides in, in being able to work remotely. And I think that's something that shouldn't go away, to be honest and frank. I think we should embrace um, the fact that there are opportunities for us to do things differently and to still be very, very cognizant of meeting where we need to be for outcome purposes in a virtual environment. We've seen productivity soar across industries for many of them um, when people are working remote. So I think that will continue. I do think certainly there are industries that are going to be more apt to have people return to work if they haven't already. So things like working in restaurants or in some of the manufacturing facilities, um, those are requiring more of that face-to-face in-person um, dynamic that is at play. So it's really, I think, a job function question. So what can be done versus what is required um, when you're thinking about in-person work. And I think you know, we are hearing from a lot of our partners within the region, as well as the employers we work with, that many of them are considering, you know, what does the workforce look like moving forward and how do we balance what we've learned over the last year to bring that into where we're going in the days ahead? Yeah, it's interesting. 
<clears throat> excuse me, as you're talking about like manufacturing and restaurants. And I, a, a few weeks ago, we were doing a round table discussion about remote work and a nurse from a local hospital here in Lansing actually said, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think it's fair that I can't do remote work. And I'm thinking, well, are the patients supposed to come to your house? I mean, it's just, <laughs> I thought that was a really interesting. So as you're saying that, I'm thinking about how hospitals, the same thing. Yeah. You know, it has to Healthcare be is, Yeah, healthcare definitely is. But even I think in looking, you know, at those details, so there's obviously components of, say, in the medical field, where you have to be face to face, but then you look at things like charting, are those things that maybe there could be a little bit more flexibility. Um, but you have to really be willing to get in the weeds and have those conversations and figure out what works best for you organizationally too, and balance all of that out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so let me ask, what should businesses be doing today to prepare for tomorrow's workforce? More specifically, do you see any current trends that will shape the way we attract, recruit, and hire top talent? That's a great question, Teddy. Um, I think that I have a couple of thoughts on that that kind of come to the top of mind. Um, some of the trends that we certainly are seeing and that there's been several different news articles and media outlets reporting on is just what you had talked about with seeing more of a trend to having hybrid or re remote work options. I think that that is something we are going to continue to see. And, you know, when you do that, that has all different sorts of ramifications for the communities that those workplaces reside within. Um, with us living in Lansing, and you look at the number of individuals that would be in downtown Lansing on a daily basis pre-pandemic versus what that has looked like over the past year. And you have all of those places of, of business for restaurant purposes, or even some of those stores that are downtown. What does that look like if we start to have staff working remotely? Um, but I do think that that's a trend that we're going to continue to see, and then you're going to see some evolution of what that looks like for those counterparts around them as, as those adjustments are made. One of the other trends that we are seeing a lot of is tied to diversity work. So how employers are looking at attracting their talent looks different. So how they're using their website, where they're putting their company culture, how they are making sure that they are thinking about what depictions of individuals within the workplace do they have on their website? Are they showing that multicultural approach to things? Um, those are things that I think are we are going to continue to see growth and opportunity within, and that's going to be a great thing for our community. And those are trends that are, we're seeing outside of just our Lansing, greater Lansing region. We're seeing that across the state as there's more attention being paid um, to diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace and employers who are wanting to be proactive so that they can attract top-tier talent. Yeah, you know, as the host, um, Carrie, you know, I get to do the tacky shameless plugs. And so our listeners know, uh, <laughs> Carrie also serves as the board chair for the Michigan Diversity Education Center. And so, uh, and so she can speak to this uh, diversity uh, work very, uh, very soundly. So, okay, so let me ask you, Carrie, who is someone you respect that you admire and who has inspired you? 
That is an easy one for me. Um, the CEO that I worked with for Capital Area Michigan Works, who was my predecessor, Edith Copeland, is been my mentor throughout this workforce journey. She is someone who was a woman leader and a very strong woman leader who really embraced opportunity. And she really encouraged and pushed me along my career to recognize opportunities that I had in front of me. Um, and also some areas where growth was needed, which I think is always really important. Um, she has continued after her retirement to be a sounding board for me and a friend. And she's someone who I really credit with the direction that I want to be a leader in. It's, and it's one that really embraces not only just being a leader for leader's sake, but being a leader because you get to be a voice for those that you work with, both staff as well as the public, public in, our, in our instance, in our agency. So she is certainly the one who I credit with being my mentor and really inspiring me to want to lead um, in my agency now. It's so funny because as you know, when I was preparing for, you know, this uh, podcast, I put Edie's name next to that. I knew you were going to say Edie, and I would have had to shut down the podcast if you said somebody else. So I knew that was coming. So awesome. And she is amazing. And so are you. So, um, oh, thank you. Well, I can only hope to be, you know, half as strong of a leader as she has been and inspire as many people as she has. Um, I think, Something I've carried from her is if I can help mentor or guide other young women leaders, that's certainly something that I want to do. It's impactful and it's important. And um, I, yeah, I can't say enough about how much I appreciate her and that she instilled that in me as I continue her legacy. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for sharing that, Carrie. And I agree with everything you said about Edie. So let me ask you, what is your number one go-to piece of advice? What would you tell others? Um, like, do you have like a, a nugget or a piece of wisdom that you like to share with others? I always tell people on my team that my advice is always to listen first. So I think it's really sometimes, sometimes if you're trying to really figure out where you're going or where there are things that need attention, instead of just making assumptions about what's going on, um, either you know, with policies or with programs or with individuals you're working alongside, it's best to just give individuals an opportunity to be heard so that that way you can use the feedback that you receive to continually make sure that you are making decisions that are really going to impact and support the individuals that you're working alongside. I really believe strongly in, in that being, for me, the thing that I try to do as a leader is to always listen first and to react second, um, because I want my staff to know that their input and their thoughts and their ideas are every bit as important as my own. Yeah, you know, as you know, I'm a certified professional coach and uh, that always rings to my ears because, you know, one of our top rules is the 80-20 rule. We listen 80% of the time and only speak 20% of the time. So spot on. Okay. Yeah, I firmly believe that too, Teddy. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, some people uh, don't listen to really hear what others are saying. And so I think what you were saying is uh, absolutely spot on because we need to listen with open ears and open minds. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So where do you think we're going to see Carrie in the next three years? 
Well, you're going to see me continuing to be at Capital Area Michigan Works as our CEO. I know that for a fact. I love our agency. I love the team that we have here. And honestly, my intention is to hopefully someday retire from this agency as its CEO somewhere down the line, another 20 years or so. Um, so you'll see me here. But bigger than that, I think I want to just continue to be a part of conversations within our community that not only are tied to workforce, but are, that are really tied to that intersectionality in the work that we all are doing here to make it a better place for us to reside, as well as for those future generations to come. So to me, every bit as important as the work that I'm doing with our agency is also making sure that we're building those connections with our partners across the communities here in Lansing, as well as out in Clinton and Eaton County too, so that we can make sure that we know where those supports are and we're keeping our a pulse on what the community needs from us so that we can make sure we're helping everyone who needs our assistance. Yeah, you know, and I'm just going to add because, you know, I have the liberty to do that uh, about <laughs> if I had my way and I could change the MIDEC bylaws, you would still be the chair in three years. So, I, <laughs> and well, uh, I promise you'll still have me committed to helping support in whatever way you need, Teddy, for in three years ahead. <laughs> You know, Carrie, and I'm, I, you know, and again, like I said, you know, the great thing about being the host is, you know, I have the mic. And so um, I, one of the things I truly mean this is, uh, you know, I mentioned to you earlier, I had lunch with one of our board members yesterday and um, had a great conversation, Carrie, and I really mean this about, um, you know, when you talk about Edie, so much of Edie's leadership style is Carrie's leadership style, and you really are an incredible uh, leader. And, um, you know, especially, you know, for our listeners, um, you, and for all intents and purposes, you are my boss at my deck, and, um, and you do such a great job, and you really are somebody people should look up to and follow the example. And I really appreciate your leadership style and really in everything you do for this region. So, uh, and you know, no monies were exchanged at hand for me saying that. So I just, and I really mean that, so. Well, Teddy, I appreciate that. And coming from you, I really, it means a lot and it's good to be on camera so that you can't see me wiping away the tears. Uh, <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> oh, my, my first guest that I made cry. <laughs> so, good oh. tears though, Teddy, happy tears. <laughs> Awesome. So Carrie, unfortunately, uh, insert the sad clowns and the sad music. Our time together is coming to an end. Um, I really want to thank you again for joining me today on Teddy Talks. Um, I have Teddy for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, most certainly. Great information. So I have truly enjoyed our conversation and hope we will see you again on a future episode. You can find out more about Carrie and the Capital of Michigan Works at teddytalks.com. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us on another episode of Teddy Talks. Remember, no matter where life's journey takes you, it's always a great time to grab a cup of coffee, some hot tea, or a martini, and let's keep talking. Mm -hmm.